Radio Studio at the George Washington Broadcast Center. Jack Armstrong and Joe Getty. The Armstrong and Getty Show. I wasn't being a wise guy. I was alone with him in his office. I said, look through your eyes, and I don't think you have a soul. And look back at me and said, we understand each other. Wow. That is badass, Joe. That sounds like James Bond in a scene from Dr. No Malarkey. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, we got to talk about that later. That's starting to get some traction today as a story because Russia has now said that they're going to have to take aggressive actions based on something Biden said. So... I don't, I don't know. Are they talking about that? And also, did Biden actually say that to Putin when he met him? Um, yeah, Joe is a fan of the tall tale from time to time. Was he talking to a coat rack in the equipment closet while the actual discussions were being had behind closed doors? Listen, Vladimir. I just, I, there's been a couple of times in his career, as we all know, and I remember big one back in the Iraq war days where he, he went on all the talk shows saying, I sat down with President Bush and I said, you're trying to be a leader, but look behind you, no one's following. And I remember the White House saying, he's never said that. He's never said that to us. He's never said that to the president. And it became a story for a couple of days. And I believe Biden at some point had to say, well, I said something along those lines. I just right. I, I don't know that he actually looked Putin in the eye and said, you have no soul. And Putin said, and we under, so we understand each other. That seems a little too perfect. A little movie scene-ish. And remember, old Uncle Joe invented his uh, status in college and status in law school and honors and that sort of thing. Yeah. So. You think he ever almost got in a chain fight with Corn Pop, or do you think that's exaggerated? But I'm going to wrap this chain around your head. I have a feeling they had a disagreement. May and Corn Pop was a bad dude. May not have risen to the level of rusty blades and chains. Remember the yeah. straight race you'd bang him on the curb? Like your no, freaking really Pablo don't. Escobar? <laughs> yeah, I think Joe really, really, really fancies himself or likes to portray himself as a tough guy. And I said, hey, Esther. <laughs> to oh, Putin? Boy. He would have had no idea what you're talking about. <laughs> that is obscure cultural reference in your culture. <laughs> Speaking of Putin would say, how old are you? <laughs> hey, Esther. Esther Williams. <laughs> what? Oh, boy. It's the gift it just keeps giving, though. Yeah, the corn pop story. Oh, my God. So, so we really need to get to this unbelievable Gallup poll about the differences in beliefs about the COVID between Republicans and Democrats. Featuring such information as a significant number of Democrats think half of the people who get COVID end up hospitalized when it's more like 1%. It explains so much. Have you heard about this? A group of current and former teachers in Loudoun County, Virginia, and I'm sure they're not the only ones, compiled a lengthy list of parents suspected of disagreeing with school system actions, including teaching critical race theory, Anybody slow the showed the slightest resistance to that was put on this hit list with a stated purpose in part to, quote, infiltrate, use hackers to silence parents' communications and expose these people publicly. Man, critical race theory needs to be stamped out, but most people don't know what it is. Members of a 624-member private Facebook 
Facebook group called Anti-Racist Parents of Loudoun County named parents and plotted fundraising and other f- offline work, which is fine. You can fundraise all you want, but uh, this the, the really brutal part is they were working to discredit, humiliate, call out, dox, and cancel anybody who dared resist their, their efforts. Uh, Sean, give us clip number 54, I'm sorry, 45. It's Ian Pryor. He's uh, one of the parents. There was a post in this, this private group. They're called the Anti-Racist Parents of Loudoun County. We call them Chardonnay Antifa. But they put a post out there asking for people to help, you know, hack into anti-CRT websites to redirect them to pro-CRT websites, engage in a mailing campaign to expose these people. And then what you had was all these people in the um, in the group start listing names. So I found out from a reporter's inquiry that I was in the group twice. The first time I was in the group was for going to a school board meeting to speak up about First Amendment concerns in school. So that got me on the list. And then the second thing that got me on the list was an op-ed I had written in The Federalist in October about critical race theory in Loudoun County public schools and i got put on the list again by a neighbor so it's led by you should know this is the wealthiest county in america oh that's so that's where the whole chardonnay antifa comes from yeah super woke white people so uh they put out a call to combat the anti-critical race theory activities of this other group uh, looking for folks who are interested in volunteering to organize, lead, execute, and donate, rega- donate regarding the following points. Gather information on the folks who are in charge of the anti-CRT movement. Uh, list of lawmakers and folks in charge. Infiltrate. Create fake online profiles. Join these groups to collect and communicate information. Hackers, we can either shut down their websites or redirect them to pro-CRT, anti-racist webpages. Spread information. Expose these people publicly. Create online petitions. Create counter mailings and find a way to gather donations, etc. Um, dox them, ruin them, humiliate them for daring to oppose the incredibly racist critical race theory. That's not that cool. Is something. That's not cool. Even if they were uh, criticizing, you know, something that legitimately should be there. Like if they were saying we shouldn't have math in school, math's a bad idea. No, that's dumb. But you, sh- you don't get to dox them for having a bad point of view. Yeah. And then this, which is just completely a different opinion about something political. That's really out of line. I've been corresponding with a couple of teachers, actually, about the, well, quite a few through the show. Our our email address is mailbag at armstrongandgetty.com, but teachers who are really concerned about the radicalization of their profession, because it's swung so far left, so fast, they don't even recognize it, and people are terrified to open their mouths as the indoctrination has taken place in the schools. It's really... Really quite something. Critical race theory is dangerous. So dangerous. And again, most people don't understand what the heck it is. Now is not the time to get into it. Well, I I want to explain one part of it, though, that I think is really interesting. And it it comes from... uh, from Ayn Rand and Atlas Shrugged, which, you know, a lot of people criticize it. It's a little As bloated. It's too long. It is. It's, it's way, it's too long for anything. Um, and, and she's a little over the top at times. It's absolutely true, but there are also a lot of really great and really important ideas in that book. And one of them is, <clears throat> and I won't read the whole quote because it's a passage from the book, but, um, the, the main character is dealing with the head of the oppressive government who is explaining to them and this is what critical race theory is all about. We don't expect you to follow these rules. We expect you to break them. The only power any government has or any group has is the power to crack down on criminals. 
When there aren't enough criminals, one makes them. One declares so many things to be a crime or racist that it becomes impossible for people to live without breaking those laws. Uh, but, but, but. You pass the kind of laws that can neither be observed nor enforced or objectively interpreted, and you create a nation of lawbreakers. Then you cash in on guilt. Do you see what I'm saying? It's like I'm always saying they want you on your heels. If they have you in the public square and everybody's chanting racist, 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 no matter what you did, you have no defense. You are entirely in their power. So they create these unfollowable rules, these crazy rules, these racist rules. You break them and they have power. That's what it's all about. Troubling. Yeah. Also troubling the incredible gulf between Republicans and Democrats on what they believe and think about the COVID-19. Just astonishing. Also troubling this man who was at a wing stop and they got his order wrong twice. His reaction will shock you. What he had to say about it? Make you stop and think. (laughs) Follow-up segment. Follow-up segment, yes. So we'll get to all that stuff uh, coming up. Armstrong and Getty. The Armstrong and Getty Show. This hour we've had her on before, and she is a, uh, a woman born in China, lived there as a kid, then moved to the United States, uh, suffered under racism back in the day, and she has some comments about um, the uh, the current zeitgeist that there's a backlash against Asians because of the COVID, and particularly because of Trump calling it the China virus. Um, so we'll get into that. I'll tell you one thing. She does not believe that only white people can be racists, like the lunatics claim. This is unbelievable. I've been digging into this Gallup poll about beliefs among Republicans and Democrats about COVID-19 and risks and that sort of thing. Uh, They mentioned that uh, Republicans consistently underestimate the risks uh, in some ways. But Democrats overestimate it to a shocking degree. And I think this goes a long way to explaining why so many people were so willing to have the kids shut out of school, have all the businesses closed, all the restaurants closed, parks closed, for the love of God. Uh, I'll take one shot at Republicans. More Republicans than Democrats believed that uh, if you have no symptoms, you can't spread the COVID. About a third. That's not true. You can. You absolutely can. Asymptomatic spread is a major source of transmission. But Democrats, on the other hand, um, are more likely to exaggerate the severity of COVID. When asked how often COVID patients have to be hospitalized, a very large share of Democratic voters said 20% or more. It gets more amazing. The actual hospitalization rate, by the way, is at 1% or so and may be lower Considering the number of people who have no idea they have it or had it. Guaranteed to be lower by probably quite a bit. Right. So it's 1%. Among Democrats, more than a quarter thought it was 20 to 49%. And 41% believed it was 50% or higher. How are you going to have public policy where you have 40% of one party think that over half the people who get COVID end up in the hospital? 
Yeah, I'm flipping back and forth. When between. it's probably about a third of 1%. Democrats are also much more likely to exaggerate COVID's toll on young people and believe that children account for a meaningful share of deaths. In reality, Americans under 18 account for only 0.04% of COVID deaths. You know, it fits in with what we've been talking about now for years. You got two groups of people living in completely different realities because of the news sources they take in. And it's only going to get worse until, I don't know, I don't know what the resolution to this is going to be. I mean, how, seriously, how do you craft public policy when you have two groups of people that have completely different views of what's going on? I'm looking at, uh, like, old people. 65 and up, the actual share of COVID deaths is 80.7%, about 81%. Democrats thought it was 35%. And Republicans, by the way, not much better, thought it was about 42%. So over 80%. And I realize we do this for a living, so we've been pouring over the numbers since this thing started. But 24 and under, the actual number is 0.1%, a tenth of a percent. Democrats estimated it to be 8.7%, or 87 times higher. Exactly. So it's they not thought the dangerous. risk to young people was 87 times higher than it is. And, of course, you would have different views of policies based on that. You yeah. would be yelling at me at the park, if you remember that story, for not having a mask on. If you thought, for my kids not having a mask on. Yelled at my kids. I wasn't there. <clears throat> you would be yelling at little children at the park for not having a mask on if you believed it was 87 times more dangerous than it actually is. Right. She was probably one of those people. Right. Now, I'm going to quote the liberal New York Times here. Uh, Democrats' overestimation of risks explains why so many have accepted school closures despite the damage being done to children in lost learning, lost social connections, in the case of poor children, missed meals, misery, suicide, etc. And they point out again in the New York Times, the highest, the states with the highest share of closed schools are all blue states, California, Oregon, Maryland, New Mexico, Hawaii, Nevada, Massachusetts, New Jersey. In fact, I just learned California is 49th in the 50 states getting kids back in school. That's incredible. Yeah, it really, it really is just astonishing. Let me, uh, let me flip back to that other one. Uh, there are a couple more stats I wanted to get to. So I keep thinking about this more big picture. So it seems to me going forward, the government's role, which it has never been before, has got to be more about messaging. Um, and I don't know if they can drown out, you know, social media and mainstream media and all that sort of stuff, but the government is going to have to do serious messaging. Yes, uh, which will be held in great uh, suspicion by the other side. I mean, there was so much knee-jerk Trump derangement syndrome. He said, you've got to open the schools. So immediately, a big chunk of America said, no, we're not. But as it turns out, it was informed, which is an ironic choice of words, by misinformation on the risk. Um, Percentage of adults supporting opening schools. Um... Trump fans, it's 64%. Uh, Biden fans, it's uh, 42% based on rising cases, etc. Well, my opinion about schools would be different if I thought, if I had the views that some of those people have, that I thought it was 90% more likely to to kill a kid than it actually is. 
Well, what about roughly that half of Democratic voters who think half the people who get COVID end up in the hospital? Yeah. That's mind-blowing. No, almost, but practically nobody does. Right. It's it's less than 1%. Uh, that's just, I don't know what to do with that. And again, folks, this is from the New York Times, all right? Uh, they're asking about eating out next month, and it's more than two to one. Uh, Republicans to Democrats say, yeah, I'm willing to. Ending up in the hospital because of COVID is extraordinarily rare. Yes. And about half of one party thinks half the time when you get COVID, you end up in the hospital. That's amazing. Yeah. Wow. Um... No wonder there's not more pushback against restaurants being closed if you got people thinking that yeah. in some areas. Yeah, well, they they think it's 87 times more dangerous than it is for young people. And they believe that half of people who get it end up hospitalized. So, yeah, you'd be terrified. Where they got that idea, I don't know. I don't either. And they do say, hey, a lot of Republicans underestimate the number of deaths, the the chance of getting infected, the rest of it. Fine, fair enough. My brother texted me yesterday, said, I'm going to cave, I'm going to get the vaccine, because he'd been not wanting to do it. Now, I, I, I should ask him, did Trump? going on Fox the other night and saying, hey, everybody, get the vaccine. I wonder if that made a difference to him. I don't know. I don't know. Maybe it's the fact that I went ahead and got it. And I, my conservative bona fides are second to none. Racism against Asians been in the news a lot lately. We're going to talk to Ying Ma, who's experienced it herself her whole life. We're going to talk to her coming up about that. They're still making uh, that, that, that killing in Georgia part of the story, which it shouldn't be. Armstrong and Getty. recognize that this surge did not spontaneously rise only out of fears regarding the coronavirus pandemic. Some of this blame lies squarely on political leaders who have demonized China, both because of the virus and ongoing geopolitical tensions, and in turn, Asian Americans have fallen in harm's way. So that's Jerry Nadler, who's the chair of the committee who's looking into the uptick in violence against Asians across America, saying that political rhetoric against China is leading to this. Whoa, Jerry Nadler carrying water for the Chinese Communist Party? And I think he and his pants are full of crap, Um, if you'll remember that story. That's fabulous. Uh, uh, Well played. uh, I I don't... if, If... if Asians are being harmed, beaten or killed across America because you think they're to blame for the COVID, well, that's horrible and we need to stop it. But I'm not convinced that's happening, even though I'm told that's what's happening uh, on the front page of the newspaper every single damn day. And on the most recent story in which all those Asian prostitutes got killed in Atlanta by a sexual nut job, that has nothing to do with COVID. Nothing. That narrative continues, though, from coast to coast in the mainstream media. Right. They're having to stretch a bit. Well, let's discuss this and similar issues with Ying Ma, who we've spoken with many times uh, before and and just love, author of Chinese Girl in the Ghetto, contributor of FoxNews.com, Washington Examiner, and NBC News. Ying Ma joins us. How are you? Hi, Derek. Good morning. I'm doing well. How are you guys? Terrific. Thanks. Yeah, great to have you on again. Um, So... 
you've told us this story before, but for people who don't know you, just to set up the conversation, what is your experience as someone who grew up in China with racism against Asians as you lived in the United States starting as a kid? So um, as uh, some of your listeners already know, I immigrated to the United States when I was 10 from communist China, and um, and I showed up in inner city Oakland, California. And growing up in Oakland, racism was a constant. And this was well before Trump hit the national political scene. And one of the dirtiest little secrets about urban America is that there is a lot of black on Asian violence. Um, and this is something that Democratic politicians who control these cities, as well as left wing political activists, many of um, whom, um, in, in fact, many of the left wing um, political activists um, who are Asian American, the, this is an issue that these people absolutely refuse to be honest about. And so when I wrote my book, Chinese Girl in the Ghetto, this was an issue that I discussed extensively. Um, violence on Asians is not new. Black on Asian violence in urban America certainly is not new. And that is something that we have seen quite a bit in the past year. You know, I'm glad to hear you say that because we stuck our neck out a little bit a couple of weeks ago. I was reading, I think it was in the San Francisco Chronicle, about a rise in violence against elderly Asian folks in Oakland, right there by Chinatown. And that's not my hood, but I know that hood, okay? (laughs) And they were spinning it that it was because of Trump blaming China for for the China virus and the rest of it. And I, I was thinking, wait a minute, you got a bunch of MAGA hat wearing redneck white guys beating up Chinese people in that neighborhood? And so I dug into it. No, it's in, it was entirely black on Asian violence. Right. And and that is what is so dishonest about it. So I, I think um, we we should probably unpack this a little bit. So when COVID happened, and there is a rise in anti-Asian sentiments. I, I don't doubt that um, some of that comes from um, white people. In fact, I, I don't doubt that members of all different races could potentially just become more racist against Asian people by mistakenly blaming them for the COVID virus. That is entirely possible, and there have been... Why that makes incidents. you a moron, but I suppose it can happen. There are well, a lot spe- of morons. Speaking for white people, but, but, there's lots of stupid white people, so... Anyway, <laughs> lots of stupid people of all races. And and indeed, there have been um, reports of of white people saying nasty things to Asian people as well as attacking them. However, um, the most horrific attacks we have seen um, on video um, are the ones that, Joe, you dug into, you know, the attacks we've seen in Oakland, for instance, um, elderly men being or or women being senselessly beaten we've seen these attacks in nancy pelosi's backyard in san francisco um and if you talk to the local um political activists uh, the local asian representatives who are actually honest they will tell you that these attacks have been happening for a very long time people have simply not been paying attention to them People have not been willing to call them racially motivated attacks. And the people on the left who are so eager to talk about racism against Asians during the COVID pandemic, including Mr. Nadler, 
these people have been nowhere to be found in the past, in the past decades, when time and time again, crimes against Asians have occurred, particularly in urban areas and particularly when the perpetrators are not white, because according to their political ideology, they have no idea what to do about such incidents. Well, the reason this is important, uh, I think, is obvious. Um, I don't like black on Asian violence any more than I like white on Asian violence. It's all horrible and needs to be stopped. But you can't solve a problem if you don't correctly identify it. And if we're all running around trying to solve the white on Asian uh, violence spree and it's not what's going on, how the hell are you ever going to solve it? Exactly. And I think it's because the left have a narrative. Their narrative is that there is white supremacy um, and that and that, of course, in recent years, the narrative is that Trump is a racist. So every time they see anything race related to them, it is automatically Trump's fault. And to them, they also cannot possibly comprehend that minorities could potentially be racist toward each other because they feel that all minorities must be united against white people. And so that is where this narrative, this public discourse breaks down, because I think I first came on your show about 10 years ago. And in fact, about 10 years ago was when I wrote about a series of horrific black on Asian attacks in the Oakland San Francisco Bay Area. And that was well before Trump came on the scene. And I remember very clearly all those weasel politicians on the left, people like David Chu. Um, Oh, and let's not forget George Gascon, who is now the DA of Los Angeles, was at the time the police chief in San Francisco. And what did they do when a lot of these horrific block on Asian attacks happened about in that time frame about 10 years ago? All of these weasels got up there and said, this has nothing to do with race. These are merely crimes of opportunity. Um, let, let's all everybody calm down and hold hands and and and. and This is the type of behavior that is very dishonest, that is very hypocritical. And, of course, you see that people like that today are the first ones to blame uh, attacks on race, on Asians, on racism and on specifically Trump's racism or Trump supporters racism. Um, And so. The the problem is that, as I said on your show before, everybody is capable of being racist. Everybody is capable of being an idiot and a jackass. Um, and and I do believe that, you know, as we saw yesterday in Atlanta, the the, the perpetrator was a white guy. But the crucial thing is we need to be honest about this. We need to be honest about what's happened, not just during the COVID era, but all the attacks that have happened well before that. Um, and all the attacks that have um, ha- that could have been potentially racially motivated that all the people on the left have absolutely decided to do nothing about. Ying Ma's online, author of Chinese Girl in the Ghetto, contributor to a number of fine news sources. And am I correct that, e- that this is what a third rail this is? And we're probably nuts to even be talking about it. But um, Fox News wrote about this and quoted you, but they left out the part about black on black on Asian violence. Is that correct? Oh, you are absolutely correct. Now, I don't know um, exactly what the motivation is, but Fox News interviewed me a couple of days ago asking about a report that was issued by a left-wing Asian group. Um, and you have heard about this left-wing Asian group because they're the ones who have been reporting repeatedly in the past year about the rise in hate crimes against Asian Americans. Now, that endeavor in and of itself, I have no problems with. The, only, the big problem is this 
left-wing Asian um, American group. Um, they, they, they're called the Stop AAPI Hate Reporting Center. When you look at their reports, they are eager to point out when incidents are perpetrated by white people. And yet, when incidents are perpetrated by people who are non-white, the race of the perpetrators um, is not identified. Um, and I explained this to the reporter at Fox. I also explained everything I just explained to you guys about, you know, in the past five to seven minutes or so to the reporter at Fox. That was completely ignored. Wow. Now, you'll have to ask the reporter why that is the case. Perhaps he simply did not feel that it was important uh-huh. for black on Asian violence to be highlighted. I'm not going to, you know, I'm not going to guess. All I'm saying is that this is a very crucial part of the discussion, and that has been ignored even by Fox, a purportedly conservative publication. Well, um, on this most recent story of what happened in Georgia with this sexual nut job going around to basically brothels and killing the prostitutes that he is having sex with because they're too much of a temptation, that's got nothing to do with what we were just talking about, even though it's being used as the example of how bad the anti-China backlash has gotten. And to me, the media is really missing out on an opportunity to let the country know. We already know this, but a lot of people don't know. There are thousands and thousands and thousands of women a lot of them Asian women who are sex slaves in this country being used in these massage parlors as sex slaves. And that seems like a hell of an interesting story, but I guess, I guess it's going to get lost here. <laughs> well, that's a, the, the sex slave story is probably one you'll have to talk to someone else about. But you just reminded me of something. People keep complaining about this anti-China backlash. The backlash against China is absolutely justified. They infected the entire world with the COVID virus. Um, and, and so what the left has done, um, is to accuse anyone and everybody who is, um, interested in holding China accountable for wreaking havoc on the world, um, as a racist, as someone who's anti-Chinese. And, and and so that is the part that we also need to think. Yeah, you're absolutely very, right. You know, we, we also need to be very careful about that because, um, you know, it is important to separate China from Chinese from patriotic Chinese Americans as well as from other Asian Americans who could be mistaken as Chinese. However, you can't possibly just look at the past year, look at all the deaths, all the you know, all the. Uh, um, all the chaos and say, oh, let's not criticize China because it might be interpreted as racist. First of all, the best way for Chinese Americans and Asian Americans to separate themselves from the culpability of this authoritarian regime in Beijing is to condemn it unequivocally, condemn China as the source of the damn China virus, condemn China as the source of COVID, condemn China as having hidden this darn virus um, in the early days and then spreading it to the world um, to the degree that it has been spread. Um, it is something that everybody needs to condemn. However, it would do Asian Americans and Chinese Americans a lot of good if these um, organizations that claim to represent them would actually come out and condemn Beijing because that actually is probably the best way to separate Chinese Americans from China's culpability. What can we do to help you out, Ying Ma? Where would you like people to go or what would you like them to read or whatever? You have a Twitter account? You got a website? What do you got? <laughs> uh, uh, my website is yingma.org, Y-I-N-G. Um, ma.org. Uh, please do follow me on Twitter, and that is uh, GZ 
to ghetto. And so again, that's G Z T O G H E T T O. All right, we'll have a link at armstrongandgetty.com so that people can find it effortlessly. Ying Ma, author of Chinese Girl in the Ghetto, always great to talk. Thank you. Thank you so much. Great to talk to you guys. Absolutely. We, we need to revisit what uh, Jerry Nadler just said a little bit ago. That whole, Oh, my God. That's unforgivable. People are blaming China, and this is wrong. Oh, boy. Wow. What? What? Why are you, why are you carrying water for freaking China there, Nadler? And one more point before we move on. You ought to read her book because it's brilliant and it's heartbreaking and the rest of it. And all racism is evil in every direction and ought to be condemned. But if you've fallen for the idiotic lie that only white people can be racist, well, read her book. And and just by the way, if somebody starts beating down old black people somewhere, we're going to jump down their throat, too. This is not about white, black, Asian. It's about protecting people and making sure they're not the victims of terrible crimes. We gotta protect cash registers at wing stops from unhappy customers. We have an update on that story, among other things, on the way. Armstrong and Getty. The Armstrong and Getty Show. You cannot have a president of the United States setting an example for people not having a mask and then making it into a political issue. That's old horse-faced John <laughs> Kerry, uh, who got caught on a plane with no mask on yesterday, and it made the rounds. And I'm trying to figure out if it's a big deal or not, because he says he just had his mask off for a second, which he might have. They let you take your... He was flying a commercial flight where you have mm-hmm. to have, wear a mask, but they do let you take your mask off to eat your peanuts and drink your coffee, so I don't know. I'm not that worried about it. I've got other problems with John Kerry. His foreign policy, for instance. It's also very possible that he, as an elite, feels like that rule doesn't apply to him. That wouldn't shock me in the least. Um, Got a guy who went ape-ass at a wing stop because they got his order wrong twice. Uh, I've got to follow up on that. But first, the NCAA March Madness Tournament is going on, and we've got another matchup for Sean to take on. Uh, just looking at the mascots. We don't exactly. know Exactly. And, and who would prevail in a battle to the death? We don't know anything about the teams or the players. We're just looking who at cares? the mascots. Now, this is the first four. The, the, the tournament proper will start tomorrow, so don't, don't freak out, people. you still got time to fill out your brackets. Uh, but uh, so this is a battle to see who is the uh, the the true 16 seed of uh, of one of the uh, the quadrants. We have the Texas Southern Tigers taking oh. on the uh, the Mount Ser- the Mount St Mary's Mountaineers. Uh, now, mm. hey y'all, I'm a tiger. That's a Southern Tiger. <laughs> <laughs> wow, wow. Uh, Southern Tigers. The essentially uh, the only thing that comes to my mind when I think of that is Tiger King, of course. Um, and now, <laughs> of course, the the St Mount Mary's Mountaineers. Now, this is tricky. I feel like this really comes down to the terrain. I feel like if you're in a mountainous terrain, the, the Tigers aren't built for that. They're built for the, the savannas, right? But a mountaineer in a wide-open plain is just going to get run down and, and you know, et by the Tiger. So All these games are taking place in Indiana. I haven't been there. I need to ask you guys, is is Indiana uh, mountainous, or is it more like a, a, a Tiger-friendly uh, terrain? Well, i got to point out, I think Tigers are mostly a jungle creature. It's lions out on the savannah. That's true. Ever see the Jungle Book? Yeah. A lot of tigers in the That's jungle. That's true. That's true. More jungle. Yeah, and, and uh, Indiana definitely not a jungle. So I'm going to give the advantage to the Mountaineers. Man's ingenuity wins out once again. Oh, this okay. is a southern tiger. Hey, y'all, you want to <laughs> eat the arm off one of these meth heads? 
<laughs> That's beautiful. What about the other matchups? Moving Sean? on to our final uh, game of the first four. This is a battle for the eleventh seed. For some reason, I still don't understand. That's bizarre. Uh, the UCLA Bruins, and in past tournaments, we have established that a Bruin is a bear. <laughs> Correct. <laughs> Taking on the Michigan State Spartans. Mm. Uh, the Spartans, their 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 weaponry is largely shield and spear based. I feel like that's enough to ta- yeah. to hand to I take off a bear. I saw I Leo know. DiCaprio go one on one versus a bear in the movie The Revenant. Uh, Spartans implies there's more than one of them. I, I think I give the edge to the Spartans okay. here. Okay, multiple Spartans could to take on a bear. Ask Spartan, I would like the bear's chances, but yeah, controversial. But uh, yeah, I got to agree with you. Your your method is foolproof as always. Fabulous. I'm excited because my fight in Illini are a number one seed. I don't know why I'm excited about that. A bunch of 18-year-olds who've never met me happen to uh, play basketball and probably not go to class where I used to go to class but not play basketball. But I'm still very excited about it. Just in, President Biden has ordered U.S. flags and around the world at all of our locations to be lowered to half-staff as a mark of respect for the victims of senseless acts of violence perpetrated against Asians in the Atlanta metropolitan area. Two of the victims were white people. Well, even, I mean, if, even if they were all Asians, if the motive was he was going around to whorehouses and he killed the prostitutes because he's got a weird sexual kink, right. we're lowering the flags to half-staff for that? It's, it's a vote grab. It's a, hey, I'm down with you Asian folks grab. It's just, it's raw politics. It's dishonest. And it's divisive. But it's utterly predictable. I mean, it's a horrifying crime, but it's a one-off weirdness thing. It's not a national trend. No, no. Boy, this well, the world has turned really weird I'd and really say. dishonest. Armstrong and Getty.